When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talk at Turkey. I'm with my usual co-host, Jay Johnson, and Brian is still out. Hopefully, Brian will be back next weekend with good news on his all this technology. He said he was going to be fine and look like he was back, but we all know technology bites us as much as helps us. So, Jay, how you doing? Hanging under John, you know, excited yeah. to see what we can do in North Carolina. So, in general, we have another overrated North Carolina team, don't we? I think the hopes for Gene Chizik's defensive coaching skills might be a little bit muted now because they, they are definitely struggling on defense. Their offense actually looks pretty significant, but their defense, as per usual, is mightily struggling. Yeah, their defense is, and the upshot right now is, is their record is sort of padded, isn't it? Because they've played three group of five teams, actually two group of five teams who are from the Sun Belt and Florida A&M, of which I think the over and under was insane on all three of those games anyway, but at Florida A&M was the only runaway for North Carolina, and that was 56-24. to 24. But Appalachian State only lost by two points, and that was 63-61. to 61. And Georgia State, okay, now, folks, Georgia State, for those people not familiar, they've, a lot of folks have heard of Appalachian State, But a lot of people have not heard of Georgia State. Georgia State is not the greatest of the Sun Belt teams. It was a win for Carolina, but it was 35-28. That was only one touchdown. And then, of course, Carolina lost to Notre Dame in a real shootout, 45-32. So they really haven't been tested, have they? I don't know if I would say they haven't been tested. Notre Dame and, and Appy State, I think, have to be considered at least legitimate. They really got lucky with Appalachian State. I mean, the reason that game didn't go to overtime is because Appy State went for two to try to win the game or to, to tie the game up completely. But they were able to hang with them without any issues as far as the offense is concerned. Similar type situation where the offenses were able to play pretty well, but their just defense was unable to slow Notre Dame down. And I think that's where we're going to be a ray of hope. Well... At this point, in general, I still think they're a peer, but they're, as I said in my my risk chart today, I think because of what's going on, this is a toss-up game where, you know, it starts to edge toward them, okay? Before we had any information, it was sort of edged toward us, especially as they struggled with some of the lower-level teams. But as we 
didn't put up as many points as we should have, and the offense didn't operate really the way it should have against our FCS challenge, you know, at Wofford, I think everybody's alarm bell started going off in everybody's head with, mm, you know, I, okay, I didn't want him run up to score. I'm not a big run up to score kind of guy, but we needed to do more offensive live exercise and get more rhythm and pace going. And we did not succeed in doing that. We scored enough points to make it look decent, but we didn't actually get the offense rolling. And that sort of started to really concern me. Of course, it bit us really badly in the West Virginia game. And we already gone over that in the blitz. But now we're looking at the fact that Carolina's got an offense that can actually generate some points, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't too worried about the score against Wofford because I very much thought that that was a scrimmage and that they were trying to practice. I think the the larger indicator was how long they kept Wells on the field. And it did come back and, and demonstrate itself. But North Carolina does have a very talented offense, at least on paper right now. Drake May seems to be like a pretty solid follow-up, and they still have a pretty powerful rushing attack. I mean, the wise guys right now, it's a nine-point spread in UNC's favor. The ESPN's uh, power football index, for whatever that's worth, says that pretty much they're an 80% chance to win this game. For us, I don't think that this is going to be easy, and it's an outside chance for us to upset them. But looking ahead at the next four games, this is our best chance to get an upset. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And learn learn some things from what happened uh, last week. I agree. I think in the territory of generalities, before we go into direct comparisons, I think at a team level, for the next four games, we've got to pull in two wins. If they want to pick a booger, they're going to have to get the extra practice because they really need the extra practice a bowl game will give them. I don't think we're going to win two out of the next four. I don't think that's realistic. They're going to have to win two out of the next four. And boy, that is that is a real with the with what's coming up. What, that is a why real do you feel they need to win two out of the next four? I mean, our our because, final four is a much more reasonable slate than the next four games. Because our next four games, I don't think necessarily are going to be that reasonable. I think we're going to have to pull two out and two out, or we're going to have to go one out of this and then three out of the November series. I mean, remember this is October, and all these games are in October. All these next four are in October. So we can pull off two. It means some of the pressure comes off of having to actually get three in November when I think November we're seeing some close contests developing that I didn't think would develop to begin with, including Liberty. Okay. You would yeah, think for that- sure. I just feel like Duke and Liberty are much more realistic wins. Like us winning the last four games of the season, much more realistic than us winning any I'm, of the next four games. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just seeing Duke starting to wake up and it's not necessarily a win duke and liberty are going to be a fight so that's why i just saying that if we can nab two wins out of this two we should get one but if we can nab two wins out of this next three game this next which one do you think we should win i still think that we can grab and surprise somebody out of the out of the four of these teams there's just something that tells me somewhere along the line, something's going to click and somebody's going to either get tired of sucking and actually step up and do something, or the whole team's going to collapse. And we might as well just say, you know, okay, Brent, just go home, you know, bring it home and let's just not hurt anybody. Let's just get off the field. Don't get hurt and come back next year. You know, so you got to try. 
And I'm thinking that I'm seeing that there is a, an offhand possibility that we could pull two games out of this. I, I, I doubt it. We've got one. We really have the only real shot for a win in this next four is to surprise uh, UNC. And that's at least a reasonably quality win. No. Oh, and by the way, Miami, it's not there. Miami's gone. Miami, I don't know about that. Miami hangover just games lost. are hangover games. Nah, I know they lost matter. to Middle Tennessee. I know yeah. they did. I just, yeah. I man, I'm not going to go to sleep yeah. on Miami. I, I'm not going to go to sleep on them, but I don't think they're that good. I just, well, I mean, we lost to JMU and then won the ACC back yeah. when they were FCS. So yeah, but this could easily be a catalyst for them. It could also be a catalyst for us too. So I don't know that Miami's got to come in. Now, Lane doesn't mean what it does, does it? Well, so, they, I mean, they were out in force on yeah, Thursday, but it, it didn't seem to help. <laughs> so no. it was cool, but it didn't seem to help. So, okay, let's go to the details. We're going to break for commercial messages and then you'll lead us back in. And we're going to go for details, which is going to be our defense against their offense. So we'll be back after these commercial messages. So when we take a look at UNC's offense, we see that they have a new quarterback under center to the name of Drake May. And so far in the first four games, even the loss against Notre Dame, he's actually been quite impressive. When we take a look at Notre Dame, he threw for 301 yards and five touchdowns, and he was their leading rusher. And he doesn't necessarily want to scramble, but he certainly is capable of scrambling. So he does kind of represent Virginia Tech's traditional kryptonite of a dual threat quarterback. How do you think our defense is going to be able to stack up against Mr. May? At this point, you know, unless they get to him, corral him, unless they have a disciplined rush and then blitz him, they're going to have to get brave. And I don't know if this defense can get brave. It's like sometimes you have to sell out one way or the other way. And you can't just cover out and rush four all the time if four aren't getting there and the guy's cutting you apart. I mean, West Virginia hopefully would prove that to to Marv, and especially because Marv isn't calling the defense, it's still an ill-advised Brent Pry calling the defense. I think he's going to have to take some chances, and he's going to have to get there. And that means disciplined rushes because the defensive ends are going to have to hold their external positions. They're going to have to make sure that, that May is corralled and then crushed on the inside, that the A-gap is foreclosed so he can't escape through it. You know, what happens with the speed rush is always the defensive ends collapse in, and then the line opens up like a big barn door, and the quarterback goes up through the middle with nobody covering him because they're gone. So he's going to have to spy the quarterback. May's going to have to have somebody on him. I mean, that's a probably a Keonta Jenkins thing. You see the quarterback, you got to hit him. It's got to happen. If he gets anywhere past six yards deep out behind the line of scrimmage, you're going to have to hit him. And that's just, you know, something that, that Bud Foster could never do. We've always complained about that bitterly, haven't we? But our defense is going to be seriously challenged, especially after this West Virginia game. It's going to be seriously challenged. And if we have to spend too much time on the field, the defense is just not going to make it. It's not going to Yeah, and they, they definitely... They have a lot of threats. I mean, Josh Downs is, he was injured earlier this year, but he was back against Notre Dame and he had two touchdowns. I mean, he is arguably the best wide receiver in the ACC right now. He is certainly going to be somebody that's going to probably garner double coverage the entire game. And it's not like they don't have other players on the receiving core that can do good work. I mean, 
when you take a look at even though Downs is back, Antoine Green, three receptions for 150 yards, two touchdowns, a long of 80. I mean, the big play capability that North Carolina brings to the table cannot be overestimated. Like they strike quick and hard. And that's one of those situations where if we get behind quickly, and we're going to have to start relying on a pass game that just really doesn't have the ability to stretch the field. Well, we'll get into that when we talk about the offense, but as far as our defense, I mean, they're going to have to shut those guys down. And then their running backs, even though Notre Dame did a good job of mitigating the rushing attack, part of that was because North Carolina got behind real quick. They let 24 points go out in the second quarter, so they spent the rest of the game trying to catch up. So obviously they're going to be going to the air but they had a pretty decent showing of a a rushing attack in the first three games. So they do have the ability to run as well. In addition to Drake May, they've got a decent running back stock. Yeah, and it looks like they spread the ball around to quite a few different running backs. And receivers, by the way, their receiver core, they have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 receivers with uh, multiple games and at least one or upwards of double digit catches. So they spread the ball around too. So it's going to it's not like oh you can just cover this one guy and double cover him and then be able to zone out everybody else. This is not going to be an easy puzzle to solve for the defensive coaches at all. So Tech's got a really I mean it there's got to be a lot of thought going into this and I don't know if our defensive backfield is at least decently experienced. Okay, we're going to be down one because of that targeting penalty that you know, for that first half. But we have a serious issue with the coverage where the cover guy is not getting his head turned around. We got a couple of pass interference calls again just because people weren't getting their heads cranked around. And when you don't look like you're going for the ball, you're going to get called for pass interference. Guarding doesn't work anymore. They're calling PI on guarding more and more, unless you're making no contact. And face it, if you're making no contact in guarding situation, which is not a really great way to defend, but if you're making no contact, you're already beat. You're, you're beat. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. over. So so that's, you know, I don't know what we'll see. Those deep balls are going to hurt if they don't get to the quarterback. They got to get him off his feet. They got to get him running. They got to make him one dimensional. They've got to shut down his ability to throw the ball on those explosive deep plays that he's been hitting. Yeah. And I think at this point, People are going to see the film. They're going to know that our DBs are struggling to get their heads turned around. I think they're going to game plan stuff like that, where they're like, even if we don't make this completion, maybe we've got a pass interference opportunity. Because, I mean, we had several of them. And unfortunately, most of them, they were fair calls. It's not like, you know, some crazy stuff where like both of them are hand fighting or something like that. Like they were pass interference calls. Yep. Yeah, there were a couple of really weak ones, you know, in the prior game and in this one. But in general, those were underneath and inside, you know, the linebacker stuff, Dax getting hit with flags and stuff. That's like, I'll put pick up the flag and put it back in your pants. This is this is within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage and in heavy traffic and you're calling a PI. That's ridiculous. But yeah, the deep passes where the ball was never spotted and the receiver was blatantly not going to be able to catch the ball and the defender was still up in the guy's face. And it's like, excuse me, get your head cranked around and you won't get flagged. Don't get your head cranked around and you're going to get flagged, period. Yep, every time. So, But yeah. luckily we do have strength. I would say that's the strength of our, our defense is our secondary. So if they're able to at least minimize 
some of those deeper plays like they did against West Virginia. Like I said, even yeah. even with those PIs, they did a very good job until the fourth quarter of shutting that high-powered offense down, right? They were yeah. kicking field goals, not getting touchdowns until the fourth quarter. If we can do that to UNC, we might be able to have a potential. I'm not saying it's likely to happen, but if the defense can do to UNC what they did to West Virginia, it puts Virginia Tech in a position to fight for a win. Yeah, and that's what my whole point with this is, is out of the next four games, I think this is the only one we have a better than even shot or right around even shot or a little short of even shot, you know, in that realm of getting the win out of this one. I think we have a shot now at Miami, but it's still a very high risk. It's still a high risk game. Miami's still going to come rolling in here with a chip on their shoulder, you know. So at this point, this team really needs this win. This team really needs this win coming up. This defense needs to win this. Even if they don't win the game, the defense needs to win its side of the ball. And we'll see. But, you know, when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to talk about the other side, our offense, such as it is, against their defense, which there might be a possibility of some good news in that one. So we're going to break for commercial when we come back, we'll talk about that. Hopefully, they'll stuff some commercials in here. The last few times, we've broken for commercials. It looks, sounded silly because they didn't put them in. So, all right, back in a minute. Hey, we're back. And, okay, this is the acid test. This is where the rubber meets the road and where this game is going to be won or lost. It's our offense versus their defense. So I'm going to let Jay start off with their defense. I think a review of their D is probably a little bit more in line before we get to the news of RO. Well, you know, and it falls in the category of good news, even though they brought in, you know, former national championship winning coach Gene Chizik to try to fix the UNC defense, much like the Virginia Tech offense. It's a little bit longer of a rebuild than I think they anticipated. They've been pretty much summarily outgained every game. Even even where they won, they've been outgained because the defense just has a very hard time stopping anything. So, you know, it doesn't really matter which portion of the offense they're dealing with. They're getting passed on. They're getting rushed against. They're, you know, failing to put pressure on quarterbacks. They're failing to recover turnovers. So just in general, their defense is struggling. And that presents unique opportunity for us because... We'll be able to stay on the field a little bit longer than we were uh, against West Virginia. So that does give me hope. I think that's the one thing that we might be able to take advantage of because it's not a good defense. You know, I'm looking at it from exactly that perspective. I have little confidence that their defense is going to be able to do stops of even peer teams at any consistency. What, of course, is the bugaboo here is our offense isn't necessarily scary. And it's not necessarily a peer either. So that's where I come in on the offense is, okay, can the offensive line open a few holes? Can Tyler Bowen get his brain out of the middle of the pile and start using his speed on the outside with Chance Black. And I know he came out of the game, but Keyshawn King will probably be back in again. So running King and Black up the middle is like, is trying to run me at all, which is like, forget it, I waddle. It's not happening. Now, if you want to run up the middle, yeah, you give it to Jalen Holston and you hold on and you grit your teeth and maybe you get a yard. And maybe if you needed that yard, maybe you got that yard. 
but from the shotgun, it's just too slow developing. And Tyler Bowen needs to abandon the concept of the fact that he's going up the middle. Well, and it's not just on Mr. Bowen. Like, don't forget, Joe Rudolph is the run coordinator. Yeah, you know? he's, yeah um, Rudolph so is the run coordinator. It's not just on on Bowen to fix this situation. And, and it goes back to some of the conversations we've had offline where, like, people are starting to get nervous and irritated. And they're like, why are we trying to run up the middle? Why are we doing this, et cetera, et cetera? Like, let's not forget what Wisconsin did for the last half decade. All they do is send running backs and offensive linemen to the NFL. We're not going to solve this situation in four weeks. But... No. Right. Maybe we can start to build a foundation so that these young players get the experience. Now, I totally agree. We do need to find ourselves out of the run up the middle type mentality, but we're going to have to continue to test that. Otherwise, we're not going to get better at it. And we do need to be able to run the ball up the middle. People were getting pretty irritated in the West Virginia game. If we really look at it. We ran up the middle like seven or eight times. That's just not that unrealistic of a time to run up the middle. The problem was it stuck out like a sore thumb because we got beat every single time we did it. Yeah, it was funny. I was going through, you remember the fourth and one and the third and one that basically turned the momentum of the game around? I was just going through the photographs and I was looking at those plays, slice, 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 slice. What killed me is it was a read option. The, the first one was a read option play and he kept the ball, which was fine, except for the fact that he kept the ball and he continued up the middle, he being Grant Wells, which was like, what? And then I was sitting in the hole, okay, with my camera. I got a telephoto lens, but I'm still sitting in the hole, sitting there looking in the hole. He had a wide open field for 30 yards. He probably could have scored a touchdown. If he had pulled the ball, counterstepped, and gone to the left, he would have been past the defensive end who was overrushing. He just didn't see it. It was like tunnel vision. He was like looking through two toilet paper tubes. He didn't see that if he had just planted his right foot and gone to his left, he would have taken off. We're missing those reads. That's part of what's killing us in the run game, going up the middle or whatever. Whoever's running has got their head down and they're missing the reads. It's not like Khalil Herbert ran with his butt down and his head up because he looked for those kind of openings. He had good, solid vision and he looked for those kind of openings. Well, if they want to make this run game work and they want to do it against a defense that isn't so just isn't there and burn up clock and score points. Okay, great. But you're going to have to run smarter. I mean, okay, you don't run up the middle all the time, but you can counter through the middle. You know, you get the guys going in one direction and you counter and go in the other direction, you know, in the middle of the run. And you've got a couple of running backs and even a quarterback that can do that. So they need to throw some of those things in. They were running counter trays in the first series of games, and they didn't run any against West Virginia at all. It was basically kind of this zone, kind of limp zone blocking. And I didn't even see a whole lot of drive blocking going on on the interior of the line. It was almost like we had given up the concept of a power running game because we didn't have a power running game, if you understand what I mean by that kind of tautology. Yeah, and I guess a couple things to to consider. The first being that when we're talking about our offensive capability versus UNC's offensive capability, one of the ways that UNC's won most of their games is in a shootout. And we don't have the ability to do a shootout with them. So our defense is going to have to do a lot to slow them down. Is our defense better than Notre Dame's? Paper-wise, yeah. We've also faced a lot less competition. And even them, they were only able to hold them by one score, I think, or two scores, sorry. They still allowed 32 points. So is our defense going to be able to slow them down enough? I, I don't know. 
their offense does seem to have a little bit of mistake proneness, right? They do, like Georgia State had three recovered, three turnovers from them, which kept them in the game. So I think that's really going to be the key for our defense is that not only are they going to have to slow them down, they have to take the ball away from them. Yeah, they're going to have to make plays. So, okay, let's talk about the inevitable. What's predictions? My thought process on this is of the next four games, this is the one we have the greatest chance to win. I still don't think we will. I I think this is probably, I hope it's not as ugly. I hope we learn some stuff, maybe get a little bit more discipline so we don't have 15 penalties again. But I still don't think this is going to be particularly pretty. I'll give the, the offense a little bit more love and say that they start figuring stuff out, start experimenting a little bit more. So I'll say the Hokies will score 24, but I think that UNC is going to put up 35 to 42 in that. So we'll say 42-24. I'm not that far apart from you. I'm thinking that maybe we get back to 27 again. We get another, I think we got 27-itis, but I don't see our defense being able to hold that high-powered offense, especially over the top, unless we get turnovers. If we get turnovers, I can see a low-grade shootout where the over and under is somewhere around 50, and that's where we have the potential of winning. If we can keep it below 50, we have the potential of winning. If it gets above 50, we're shot. It's not going to happen. So I'm not thinking that this is a win. It just is not. I Like I said, I'm taking Carolina and the points. And the reason why I take Carolina and the points is just because, it, I mean, they're already a touchdown favorite. I mean, that's so far, I guess, 8.5. The last odds I've seen at 8.5 in their favor. So, right now they're saying nine. Yeah, so they stretched it a little bit. So, you know, I don't think the wise guys are going to be off on this one. I really don't. I think that the spread's going to be a touchdown, maybe a little bit more than a touchdown, unless our defense gets some quality stops. And in this case, quality stops might be, okay, they don't put six up on the board or seven up on the board. They put three up on the board. And our offense can generate some points, which it could if people would start paying attention and be a little bit better disciplined. At this point, I think that's a crapshoot. It really is. Tomorrow, they could look great in practice. All week, they could look great in practice and then completely collapse. I mean, they're on the road. Who knows? We'll see Saturday at 3.30, won't we? Yeah, and this is, you know, honestly kind of a gauntlet here. Like, we've had three straight home games, and three out of our next four are going to be away in some pretty hostile environments. So I think it's going to be a nice test and an opportunity for growth for the coaching staff and these young players. So I'm also kind of like trying to look at this from a little bit more of a a higher granularity where we're probably going to lose these games, right? The odds are that we'll lose the next four, but like, are we going to be seeing some improvement in some places? One thing we didn't mention is Malachi Thomas. If he shows up at some point in one of these games, hopefully healthy and ready to go, that could potentially be a spark that like allows us to upset some teams. We said it before at the beginning of the season, this offense is without its best player. He represents a threat that we simply can't recreate. And so without Thomas on the field, the offense is hobbled. Yeah, he's Thomas is a dual threat. He's a threat as a receiver out of the backfield, and he's a threat as a runner. And inside and out, he's the only inside-out runner we have. And he's a quality inside-out runner because he kind of learned from Khalil Herbert. I think that it remains to be seen. Every single game is going to be a new game. And really, Hokie Nation is just going to have to put up with the fact that every single game is a new game. Don't have any expectations because in general, right now, the next four games are going to be probably the toughest four games we've had in maybe 10, 15 years. And on a positive 
something to think about. Khalil Herbert went off for the Bears this Sunday. 20 carries, 157 yards, two touchdowns. Man, go Hokies, right? Am I, I mean, that's yeah, awesome. And that's, they have Virginia that's Tech good behind that name. Me, right? It's good to see like a Virginia Tech player being showcased on national television. Like Montgomery got hurt and Herbert just stood in and put up awesome numbers. Well, you know, we'll take good news where we can get it, I guess. And if everybody will indulge us for something at least a little positive, Jay, what do we always say? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.